Hi, I'm Christine Roney. Welcome to the Roney Writes Podcast. The tagline for this podcast is, let me tell you a story, because that's what these recordings are about, stories. I love to write them, and I would love to share them with you. This is episode 10 and the conclusion to The Perfumer's Stone. We are starting today with chapter 20. So let me tell you a story. The Perfumer's Stone by Christine Roney. I'm sorry how it all came down, Sarah. I knew he was obsessed, but I didn't know he was dangerous. When I figured it out, I tried to warn you. I hope you can forgive me. They were sitting at a window table at a local coffee shop. Tanya, if it wasn't for you, I'd most likely be dead. So of course I forgive you. Sarah took a drink of her mocha. What are you going to do now? Get out of Dodge. But I wanted to see you first, so you know, I could do the apology thing. Sarah smiled. Before you go, do you know why Nigel was so obsessed? No. Tanya got up to leave. She grabbed her coat off the back of the chair, then looked at Sarah. You should ask him. Sarah waited in the visitor's room of the county jail. Nigel had resisted her attempts to talk to him, but she had worn him down. Now she watched as the once dapper man was led in wearing an orange jumpsuit and leg irons. He shuffled his way to the booth. He looked tired, dark bags under his eyes, and his hair was stringy and unkept. He sat down and looked at her, his eyes no longer burned with anger, hostility, or anything, really. She wondered if he was being medicated. Hello, Nigel. I want to talk to you about Ambrosia. At the mention of the company, his eyes flared, but then went dark again. Why did you want it so badly? He said nothing. Was it something to do with Jade? He scoffed. Jade? You mean Mildred? I thought she was immortal. What? Why? But she wasn't, was she? What are you talking about? Sarah fell back in her seat, frustrated that she obviously was not going to get any answers today. Nigel looked at her. She found the Fountain of Youth, you know. There's no such thing, Nigel. I have to go. She had it. I know it. Goodbye, Nigel. Sarah stood up. Nigel lifted his arm and brought his fist down full force on the table. I'm telling you she found it. The guards ran over. One of them lifted Nigel up. Then they flanked him as they led him to the door. Chapter 21 Sarah was in her office looking over a new file when her cell phone rang. Hello? Sarah, it's Robert. You're not going to believe this, but I just received a bill from a credit union in Ventura for the annual renewal of a safety deposit box. Apparently Jade rented a box there. Why would she do that? I don't know, but I made an appointment for tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Contingent on your schedule, of course. I'll be there. Do you want to drive together? 
I'll meet you there. I have some clients in Ojai, so I'll take this opportunity to visit them. Oh, one more thing. They said it was a large box, so I'll lend you one of my rolling briefcases. Sarah watched Robert walk toward the entrance to the credit union, pulling a black bag behind him. Awfully large briefcase. We lawyers don't travel light, Robert said as he and Sarah hugged. I wonder what I'll find this time, Sarah said as they waited for the bank manager to complete the paperwork. When he was finished, he led them into the vault where a man was ready to drill the lock. Seems like we've been here before, doesn't it? Robert smiled. I'll be outside. When she was alone, Sarah opened the box. Inside was a stack of journals. She picked one up and flipped through it. It looked like Jade kept a diary of her life. She loaded the journals into the rolling briefcase. Later, Sarah poured herself a glass of wine, curled up on the couch with one of the journals, and was transported to the past. A woman walked quickly through the alleyway to the red door she had been directed to. She knocked and a wooden slot snapped open. She looked at the black eye staring at her and tried not to show fear. The door swung open and she walked in. The man with the black eyes gestured for her to follow him. They walked through the hallway and up a staircase to the second floor landing. He motioned for her to wait. She was shivering from the cold and from fear. A door opened and the man with the black eyes motioned her in. She entered and the door closed behind her. She was alone in the room. There was a desk made from a board held up at each end by a barrel. There were two chairs, one behind the desk and one in front. She remained standing even though her legs were shaking. A side door opened and a young man walked in. That surprised her. She expected a grisly old thing with yellow teeth and a gruff voice. But this young man was well-groomed, nicely dressed, and his voice was smooth. How can I help you? Mildred, wasn't it? He gestured toward the chair. Yes, she sat down. I need papers, a new name, an introduction and employment in a new city. I was thinking of going west. You ask for a lot. I have money. Good, because it will cost. I need to leave right away. Go home and come back in two days. He started for the door. I can't go home. There's a hotel. I'll have Edward escort you. Two days. As he walked through the side door, the entry door opened, and Edward motioned for her to leave. Two days later, she was back. Edward again showed her into the room. She waited for the side door to open. It didn't. Edward came back in and told her to come back the next day. But he said two days. Come back tomorrow. She left, bewildered and scared. She needed to go away from this place. She went back to the hotel. She was having tea in her room when there was a knock on the door. It was the young man. Surprised, she let him in. Forgive the intrusion, but I have your papers. I thought I was to get them tomorrow. There was a problem, but it was solved, and I know you want to leave right away. Although I would caution you to wait for morning, as it is not safe to travel at night in this area. What was the problem? 
your, shall we say, benefactor, arrived late with the money. She stared at him. So young. But he showed. Yes, and he asked me to give you this. He held out a wrap package. She took it. What is it? I don't know, but he was insistent that I and no one else give it to you. She looked at him, curiosity burning inside of her. He said, and I quote, tell her to use it wisely. Curious. Yes. She stood up. Thank you for delivering the papers and gift. He nodded and left. Mildred put the package on the table. She picked up her tea and took a sip. She stared at the package, wondering why she was reluctant to open it. Charles broke her heart, and somehow this gift was supposed to make up for it. Is that what he was thinking? She knew she was being unfair to him. He was trying to save a marriage. But it was not like she was the reason for the problems. When Mildred met Charles, he and his wife were separated. But then they decided to reconcile for the children. Mildred was devastated but could not stand in the way of Charles' attempt to keep his family together. The problem arose when Charles showed up at her door saying he couldn't get her out of his mind. They did not resume the relationship but might as well have because the wife found out that Charles went to see Mildred and all hell broke loose. She was ostracized and forced to leave her home and make a new life. She was still wondering what was in the package as she sat in the train heading west. He had thoughtfully booked her a private compartment. She took the package out of her suitcase and tore the paper off the box. Inside there was another box wrapped in more paper. She unwrapped the inner box took a deep breath, and opened it. A vial. Of course, it was one of his scents. He was a perfumer, after all. She started to uncork the vial when she noticed a note taped to the inside of the larger box. She put the vial aside and opened the note. An ancient secret, a worthy lady indeed. A drop in your tea is all you need. Be careful. Treat with respect, and keep it locked, or they will suspect. The Philosopher's Stone. At the bottom of the note he had dashed out, as if he was in a hurry, a formula and the name of some plants and herbs she was familiar with, except one. Mildred was puzzled by the note, but she was familiar enough with Charles's style of writing to understand that he was entrusting her with a great secret that was not to be revealed. She put the vial back in her case and prepared for bed. In the morning, she would be in New Mexico, ready to start a new life. It was not until many years later that she understood the full implication of the elixir he gave her. She didn't age. She didn't get sick. It was the fountain of youth. The problem arose when she was around 50 years old. People started talking. She went home one night and her house had been ransacked. They thought she was a witch. They were looking for evidence of witchcraft. She moved on. She learned how to create false identities. But it got more complicated when computers entered the picture. At first it was simply an annoyance. But as computers became more commonplace and tracking systems more sophisticated, she had to go to professionals for her papers.
Mildred fell in love during her third incarnation. She had become Lily Thorne, perfumer extraordinaire. She was at a ball when she met him. He was staring at her. When she met his eyes, a small smile played on his lips. She actually felt her heart skip a beat. Thomas was a dashing soldier. He romanced her and made her fall in love with him. They married and had a son. She had to leave, of course, before the secret was revealed. Her disappearance stayed an open case for a long time. Her husband and son grieved for her. It was unfair of her to have married. She outlived them both. She went to their funerals and watched from afar. She vowed never to have to watch someone she loved die again. No more attachments. No more broken hearts. Each new persona Mildred took on created an opportunity for her to live a different life in a different place with a different backstory. The only thing that stayed the same was her distillation of essential oils and herbs. Sometimes that was her profession, and sometimes it was her hobby, while she worked at a, quote, regular, unquote, job. She had so many jobs over the years that she was a master jack-of-all-trades. Sarah closed the last journal. Nigel was right. There was a fountain of youth. Jade had the Philosopher's Stone. Her elixir made her ageless. And now Sarah had a bottle of the elixir and the formula. Sarah went to the beach. The power, roar, and hypnotic motion of the waves calmed her. She sat there, knowing a decision had to be made. She could take the elixir and stay young, hiding her secret, like Jade did. She could take it and share it with the world and become rich in the process. Or she could destroy it. She saw a young boy race out into the water, a yellow lab on his heels. She watched them splash about. She could hear the boy's laughter ring out over the roar of the waves. Sharing the formula with the world would wreak havoc. It would change life as everyone knew it. But did she want to live like Jade? always having to change up her life, afraid of being discovered? No. She decided to destroy the formula. Sarah went to see Nigel. He looked better than last time. His hair was freshly washed and his eyes clear. Why are you here? I wanted to tell you that I found it. His eyes blazed. I knew she had it. You were right, Nigel. But I also wanted you to know that I destroyed it. What? He screamed. The guard started toward him. Sarah signaled that it was okay. Look what it did to you. Now you can forget about it. You can stop being obsessed. It's gone. Nigel hung his head. Ten years later. Sarah and Michael sat at a table facing the band. They were hot and thirsty having just come off the packed dance floor. Michael reached for the bottle of champagne sitting in an ice bucket next to the table. He poured them each a glass. Sarah looked at the clock above the bar. 
One minute to go. They both watched the minute hand tick its way around the face of the clock. When it hit the twelve, they yelled in unison, Happy birthday! A woman at the next table smiled. Happy birthday! How old are you? Michael smiled. We're thirty. Sarah raised her glass. Michael did the same. Sarah smiled and said, To us, may we live forever. That is the end of The Perfumer's Stone. I truly enjoyed sharing this story with you. Come back next week for a brand new story. If you're enjoying this story, please help me spread the word. Tell your family and friends about the podcast and be sure to let them know that they can listen for free. You can also subscribe for free, and by doing that, you'll automatically receive the latest episodes downloaded to your computer, phone, or tablet. Go to my website, ronywrites.com, for more information on how and where to subscribe. Also, please consider leaving a short review on iTunes. Goodbye for now, until the story goes on.